0: Welcome to Listening to Paint Drive with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and thank you for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. We are stoked today to have not just one, but two special guests. Uh, Two guys we met at Adepticon right outside the concession stands, Um, each a talented painter in their own right and wonderful content creator. Even better is that they combine their powers to form the podcast Painting Bravely. So please welcome Brent from Goobertown Hobbies and Casey from eBay Miniature Rescues. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely.
0: Oh man, this it's kind of funny. Um, uh, Adepticon was my fr- that's probably the largest show I've ever been to. And so um just kind of walking around going, oh, I recognize that person. I recognize that person, and like trying to get up, uh courage to talk to people i appreciate you guys were so welcoming and nice when i was kind of like hey i know you guys want to be on a show you know (laughs) (laughs) you know so i I appreciate that guys thank you so much
2: oh there's a lot of familiar faces wandering around at adepticon but uh my experience has been that everyone's pretty friendly there so yeah.
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: oh yeah yeah.
0: I haven't met any hobby jerks really, like as far as content creators or people, you know, every so often. I think those are like reserved more for like inside the heated gaming, gaming rooms, you know?
2: <laughs> Possibly. But I think just once you uh, get people to leave their houses and be in a public space, that helps a lot too. I think. <laughs> yeah.
0: Agreed. Yeah.
1: A little
2: Agreed. bit of accountability in the, yeah. you know,
1: groups. Yeah. <laughs>
2: There might be somebody across the room who sees you and recognizes you and starts typing out a mean comment, but they're not going to say it to your face like that. Like, so, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. So um, our listeners probably know you already. You're both pretty well known. Um, but uh, would you guys mind giving a little bit of your your hobby origin story, how all this uh, crazy miniature painting started for you? Why don't, why don't we start with you, Brent?
2: Okay. Uh, So the way I tell my story is that it started with the Star Wars customizable card game. That's my nerd origin story. And when I was about 12 years old, I moved to a new town. And the kids in the new town weren't playing that nerd game. They were playing a different nerd game. So that's when I got into Warhammer. And so played uh, Warhammer Fantasy and 4DK in middle school and summer high school Uh, wandered off for for college and a little while after and then came back to it right around age 30 and have been in the miniature painting wargaming sphere ever since.
1: Nice. nice.
0: Casey, how about you?
1: Yeah, I suppose mine's a a bit of a similar story. Um, You know, grew up playing, yeah, collectible card games in the in the 90s. Then I had friends that had older brothers that were like, no, 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 you need, you need to check out this Warhammer thing, you know. Um, so I kind of got into it in that way, you know, the older brothers teaching us how to play, showing us how to paint. Um, had one local hobby shop that had uh, some supplies. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and had a lot of fun and quit for a long time. And then uh, when Age of Sigmar was starting, you know those those things were coming out, and just kind of brought me back in. So yeah, as soon as that was that 2015, so I've been back since then.
0: Yeah, I, your hobby story is very similar to mine because I took mine. Uh, I, I took a long period of time off after high school, and then the Stormcast are what got me back. Um, because they look to me that my favorite movie is Excalibur, and they looked to me a lot like the Mordred, Mordred armor in that and I've and I've mm-hmm. always loved that kind of look. Although you know, they are chunky. I know that. They're not
1: perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you see my last video there? I, yeah. <laughs> I did, I get. Okay. I'm watching.
0: I, I <laughs> while well, I have a lot going on, I do try to watch and listen. I, I don't watch as much as I listen. Um because I try to combine things like paint and 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 so um, yes, no, I did. I watched your last video. I I, bought, I watched a tour of a plastic factory and a paint factory. And so, you know, I I I, I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't exactly
1: nice about the uh, the original Stormcast. The funny thing is, like, even now I have this like kind of nostalgia for them because it was really what kind of got me back in. You know, I saw what was coming out. and I was like, man, that's not the Warhammer I remember. And I never played fantasy. I was only ever into 40k. Um and so it, it it they definitely brought me back in. So like I appreciate them for that fact, but you know, seeing them through the lens of almost a decade now. You know, since they've come out, it's like, yeah, they they could have done some things differently because it it does like the bulky armor does remind you of things like Excalibur and you know, just people in these huge sets of armor and stuff and and so you know it, in that video I, I wanted to try and figure out those issues for myself just to so i would like them even more now mm-hmm. you know
0: well the the ones that really sold me were the retributors with the long spears oh yeah the yeah. ones with the and the that kind of they have the almost uh saxon style helmet
1: mm-hmm. um
0: and i was kind of like oh i'm in i'm in i'm yeah. in <laughs> Yeah, and actually,
1: then, it's funny. I think those are probably the better models in that early set, too. Agreed. Yeah.
0: Easily. The retributors were by far the, the – the not the push fit, but the separate put-together arm, yeah, like the ones yeah. that are posable, were by far. Yeah, a, a, absolutely. Although the prosecutors are pretty cool, the guys with the wings.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they still feel more like a proper scale. The wings give them this, like, nice gravitas to them, although they are – a huge pain to push around on the table
0: i can imagine they probably fall over all the time
1: all the time you have to wait (laughs) and they did they're leaning and it's like they look so cool and then trying to like get them into like uh coherency and stuff like Mm -hmm. to keep them a couple inches apart even it's like well now i gotta twist this one so the wings don't hit and they don't fall (laughs) over. yeah
0: Nice, nice. You know, and it's funny because I I've never played, so those are those are gamer things, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> From a painting perspective, like those wings are awesome.
0: <laughs> Although I break, I I, I I don't know about you, but I I, bro- I broke them so many times, and then the Lord Relictor, yes. every time for some odd reason, I would reach over him, and then oh, I'd yeah. come back with him stuck in my arm. <laughs> yes. Because he's so <laughs> spiky.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. tall and spiky. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm a I'm a hobby nightmare. If you guys listen to the, uh, there's a little bit of it in the Aaron Lovejoy one where he talks about an injury that he had. But uh, yeah, I, I I am I'm Mister Put the knife in my hand. I did it, uh, and <laughs> uh, Dan and I took a Ro- uh, Roman plot three day camp. Somebody borrowed my tools uh, and just threw them back in my book bag, and I didn't look. And I reached into my oh. book bag and came out with the hobby knife under my oh, nail. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh,
2: Oh. that's worse than I thought you were going to say. And
0: and just in like, we were in like the second row, like right in the line with, with Roman. And like, literally, that's the noise he made. Would you like to take a break? And I'm like, I think that's a
1: good idea.
0: (laughs) I think we should take a break. (laughs) Uh. Yep, absolutely. You know, that's... uh, You know, neither here nor there. So now, now this podcast is turning into the, to the, the painful side of the hobby. Um, On a brighter note, and whoever wants to go first on this, what, what made you guys decide to start doing uh, at least separately your content? Like what prompted you to create a YouTube channel?
2: Uh, I just wanted to share stuff that I'd been working on in the same way that anybody else shares on, on Facebook or Instagram or, or any of the other social media things. And just the one I wanted to share on was YouTube. Um, and so I, I decided that's what I was going to do, you know, for, for years previous, whenever I was doing a project or something, refinishing furniture, uh, building magnetic painting handles, whatever it was, I was always like, ah, I want to share this with people. This this is pretty cool. This seems fun. And you know, someday I'm going to start a blog or I'm I'm going to learn how to post on Reddit or like, I I, I want to share this. And uh, eventually I just decided, you know, I want to share this on YouTube. And then I decided, you know, I'm going to do this right. And so I bought myself a camera and eventually bought myself a microphone and and started
1: making YouTube videos. Yeah. Mine, mine's a, a different type of story i suppose i i was you know getting back into painting just kind of having fun and i wanted to record i guess my painting experience and keep track of the colors and the, the processes that i was using so when i started on youtube i had no intention of actually doing youtube in any capacity i was like i was using my iphone 4s or something at the time like it I had a little arm that, you know, had the iPhone that clipped on, a little light. Um, and I just kind of went for it. And some of it, um, you know, it was like a little bit of like, oh, you know, you can buy this on eBay, you can do this on eBay. Um, more just to have it, I guess. And, you know, it turned out that uh, people people liked it. So I decided, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll try and make this uh, more of a thing and I'll just post more. So it became a, 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 just a weird. It just happened, I guess, and and I ended up posting weekly videos for like three years in a row. So <laughs> that's
0: yeah, I mean that's well, weekly is impressive to begin with. So you guys doing that, it's like uh, I I bow to you because editing audio it takes me like a month to do <laughs> not that right. bad but it t- takes forever but that th- i guess it kind of leads me to this brent you have 116 videos casey 210
2: right cool cool how
0: uh, <laughs> how do you guys like keep it what? fresh like what do you how do you... do you
2: find that number that's that's good to know cool thanks
0: uh, <laughs> just search your name when, you, when if you search Goobertown hobbies it'll come up in YouTube, it'll say how many subscribers you have and how many videos. Learn
2: something new every day. All right. All right. <laughs> what was your question?
0: Um, that, well, how do you keep it, for, with so many videos already under your your belt, how many, how do you, blah, blah. all right, I'll try that again. With so many videos under belt, how do you keep the content fresh and generate kind of new ideas? So Just as a side note, you have 83 episodes of your podcast too, so.
2: The podcast is a bit harder, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) mini painting actually lends itself, uh, in, in a lot of really good ways to outputting content. So we all have more than 116 miniatures that we have painted or would like to paint someday. And so at the very basic level, if you're just like, I'm making a video about painting this, making a video about painting that, that that's a baseline. But from there, there are all the different techniques, there's all the different hobby tools, all the different hobby companies. Um, and and just as you go, you, you get excited about different things and you're like, okay, I wanna wanna talk about this, wanna talk about that. So coming up with ideas is not the problem at all. Um, I think anybody who really gets into this has a list of dozens and dozens of ideas that they just haven't had time to execute yet. So, ideas for videos is, is not hard. It's a, it's a little bit harder to keep it fresh and and stuff that people haven't seen before, but um even even then, uh coming up with ideas is much faster than filming a video, editing a video, <laughs> painting some miniatures really nicely, making a thumbnail. Um, I, I found that the rate of topic generation just naturally is much faster than the rate of ability to produce a video. So that's, in some ways, that's the easy part. That's the fun part is like, oh, I could do, you know, it just, it just comes to you like, oh, I could do a video about this. Boom. Easy. Yeah.
0: Nice. Excellent. So, and do you, do you like troll eBay Casey, just to see like, all right, where (laughs) is this? Is there a... Wow, that's a shitty paint job. I need to buy that.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, almost every day, actually. Uh, I've got notifications that get sent to my email daily. So I wake up and there's there's a nice 10 set of emails of different search terms that I go through. Um, just so I can get the first jump on a lot of things. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm always uh, looking for... You know, whatever stands out the most, I guess, because if I can put something that's just gnarly in a thumbnail, I I know that's going to work. And and, I mean, eBay produces daily, like I said. So, yeah, like coming up with with new video ideas and topics like I generally don't think about it too hard because that thing will pop up and I'll I'll buy it or it'll it'll just manifest itself right like i have plenty of stuff now that i have purchased that just i'll I'll look at in the drawing okay today is the day i'm painting this you know whatever it is so yeah ebay is a good source
2: what you just reminded me so so you have obviously a lot of just gnarly half-finished paint jobs but yeah. I also remember, and there's also some of like somebody tried, but they weren't really up to the task, and there's some sure, of like sure. somebody just didn't finish and abandoned. But do do you remember you you found this artist like a year or so back where there was there was an mm-hmm. eBay seller who was selling a bunch of used stuff. I think they just bought lots from yes. from various hobbyists, and they were and they were you know breaking them down and selling lots, and within this seller's catalog, (laughs) you could like identify a couple of artists just by their style. And there was, Mm -hmm. there was one and I'm going to call him an artist. It was who, and when I say artist, I'm (laughs) extremely bad painter, but in in the funniest possible way. And so I'm I'm remembering a particular, I think it was like a guardsman that had been modified to sit on a space Marine bike. Mm -hmm. And everything about it was hilarious in the way that some of those memes of like the the googly eye paint job like the Mm -hmm. the the space marine that's caked in in flesh color and then just two absolutely googly (laughs) uh staring eyes are drawn on it like you you found the source of that you found like if if not that Exact individual you found like their brother or something, like a yeah, little brother,
1: definitely a relative of some sort. Um, and I bought from this person. I wish I could remember their eBay store name, although I don't know if I want to give out that information. No, that's, that's uh that's stash. mine. That's yeah. mine. <laughs> but I, I actually I I bought from that guy uh several times, and I've I've always sent him a message with each purchase. And I'm like, Can you can you please give me any information about this? Like, where did this come from? what is the backstory because i mean it's it's almost like somebody went and painted meme marines on purpose and and i mean i've seen those videos i've always wanted to do those. like just take perfectly good models and and make them the most meme that you can um Mm -hmm. but of course these are these are done for me and i haven't had a chance to do a lot of them on the channel yet but that is a, a unique source for sure there's weird conversions and exactly those those googly eyes on every single model so this Uh, is it's it's amazing
2: yeah this is a forbidden pleasure for us because we try to be super positive and encouraging and it is awesome that somebody got their minis painted and i'm sorry that they (laughs) decided that they needed to sell them for whatever reason but at, at the same time I love to make fun of that particular artist because they're, they're funny. They're hilarious to look at and I feel bad about it, but I'm going to give myself that dirt that, that guilty pleasure. <laughs> that one, the one thing. It's hilariously bad. And uh, you're giving joy to the world. And I'm, I'm hoping that we're laughing with you, but uh, I mean, it's really I, funny. It's I, really funny. I choose
1: to think so because, you know, I go back in my own catalog of, of models, right? Uh, like, I started, you know, like I said, in the in the, the 90s, painting uh, Eldar models. So, almost all metal. Um, and, I mean, I didn't know how to paint. I had a, a standard Citadel brush and, like, a handful of paints. So, most of those models still look like that. It's not that far off. Yeah, so, 12-year-old that? me... <laughs>
2: is that guy there are thousands there are millions of models out in the world that are painted by somebody who's just learning and you're like oh that's that's not very good but they're getting there and i hope they had fun doing it but every once Mm -hmm. in a while you find one that's just it makes you crack up you're just like oh man i i don't know what happened there but i love it like there's something (laughs) they found something there's something really special about about the way in which this is bad and uh (laughs) I hope they got as much joy out of it as we we do. <laughs>
0: Look at as, it, oh my god, did see- they use latex paint? What you know? Like- oh
1: man, <laughs> oh, I've, I've definitely run into stuff like that. Like I don't know what substance you put on this model; it's not coming off. Like it, all sorts of different crazy things. Like I, I got Play-Doh one time as a gap filler. That was a good one. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. you you just never know. Like, people are, uh, they got to use their ingenuity somewhere. They fix the problems at hand, and and you never know what that's going to be sometimes.
0: You you would totally appreciate this. So, um, I have somebody that I do commissions for, um, and originally, all they did was use uh, all, every single model that they had was painted with Army Painter gunmetal. And I'm pretty sure they just dipped them in the gunmetal. (laughs) and then if something broke they would take blue tack and try to recreate like so if they've lost an arm it would they would literally take blue tack and super glue the blue tack to the spot and basically just like try to size it out and then put like 10 coats of paint over it oh wow and so this is an, an, an a neighbor of mine and um when I stripped those the first time, I was astonished. <laughs> I was like, that was what is that substance floating in the in the the IPA? And I'm like, holy crap, that's blue tack. Where was the blue tack on? This? And then I'm holding I finally... that arm on. Yeah. It's oh, no, it, 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 left it, arm. It was the arm. Yeah. <laughs> like incredible. Incredible. And actually, wow. it's funny because that's the first time I was like, "Oh, this—he's got to sell these on eBay for for uh, for for the eBay miniature rescues because these are these are something else." Um, yeah, and so basically, what would happen is he we we have another person in the neighborhood who prints, and all that he would take all of the misprints. And basically, use them for Dungeons and Dragons and Blood Bowl and stuff like that. <laughs> and so, if there was like anything was filled in with blue tack, um, I'm pretty sure that he used Gorilla Glue a few times in just random places because I'd look at it and I'm like, "Well, that's that's foamy uh, on there." And then he had a, a group that he hired uh, a group of industry hired like his friends' kids to do, and they left a bottle of plastic glue open near the models. Oh yeah, oh. and so they're all like pitted and textured <laughs> and stuff like that and i'm like i don't I, I i'm gonna do my best to paint these but you know your 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 eldar blood bowl team is looks a little swish cheesy there guy <laughs> <laughs> And they, you know, and it doesn't that plastic doesn't sand right once that resets. After that, it doesn't, it never the fumes. I don't know, it's different than using the direct paint because they don't, they, they don't sand right at all. So, yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully my neighbor doesn't listen in this, but you <laughs> know, <laughs> well, if he does, then uh, I leave my P.O.
1: box in the description box and i right. yeah. take whatever you have.
0: <laughs> excellent, the excellent, offer. yeah, um, yeah, no, and that's true. I gotta, I'll have to send you all my uh. When I looked at when uh, I, because I started Road Trader 1, that was my first box was the Marines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this one dude that I thought was the, the bee's knees. Like, you know, if they would have been a golden demon back in 90, I would have been like, yeah, I'm going to go, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I look at it now and I can't stop laughing. And it's funny, <laughs> it's so bad and I'm so, I'm still so proud of it. Uh-huh. Like I'm still like, I, you know, I, like I, I tried freehand. I even made a sling out of tissue paper for the guy. I was like, I was like, that's nice. then. I was so brave. Why am I a chicken shit now? You know, <laughs> when it mm-hmm. comes to painting.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's seriously, that's why I tell people never to go back and, and repaint your first models. Like I know yeah. that I am I, a huge, you know, I, I push stripping models and fixing and doing all this stuff, but it's like seeing that, from when you started, especially, and being able to, to compare that to where you are now and how you do things and the way you think about things is so important. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, you know, we've talked about the, the, the video side about it. Let's talk about the podcast side of it. How did you guys get together to decide, you know, to combine your superpowers and move forward with this podcast, Painting Bravely?
1: Well, I think I came to Brent, uh I mean it was a few years ago now and just kinda threw out the idea, you know. We were already kinda talking pretty often, um, cause we we had basically met each other um online, you know, just from doing videos, but like really early on. Yes. We we had I don't know, ten videos apiece maybe? Um yeah. and yeah, no, very... no subscribers.
2: <laughs> yeah, very early yeah. on. Like I I remember the day I found your channel. I think you mm-hmm. had 100 subscribers on YouTube. I had 75 subscribers on YouTube and I was like, I'm talking to this big YouTuber, but I'm like I'll leave him a <laughs> comment and, and let him yep. know that I'm I'm painting goblins too and be like, you, uh-huh. I'm going to I'm going to use your your yellow goblin cloaks. I think that looks really cool. I'm going I'm yeah. to do that on on some of my minis. And so we actually met each other just as YouTube people very mm-hmm. early on and uh our channels both you know got got a little bit of luck and both of our channels grew quite nicely and yeah yeah you know became became internet friends and yeah casey came to me at some point and said let's make a podcast and we did and and now yeah uh, still making a podcast still friends and uh, all is good
0: that's that's excellent and i have actually some questions so um our, for the podcast we do have a patreon and what we use that for is to sponsor painting contests um and so we've sponsored the kill team opens painting contest this year uh we're attempting to do a youth award at both ReaperCon and nova open because dan goes to nova and i go to reaper um and so uh we asked uh, we have a few patreons that uh, we said hey we're, we're going to talk with brent and casey so we got a couple of questions for you guys from them the first one is from dev uh raggedy pants (laughs) (laughs) and that is uh, i'm just starting to get this joke now as i was going through more but how much is too much for a kobold
1: (laughs) i don't know uh i don't know if you could have enough like
2: because you can go pretty swole with a kobold a dollar amount (laughs) Are we talking how
1: how much a kobold? Cost? How much body or how much cost?
0: <laughs> I, no, let's go with cost because I think I think okay. lucky what he's alluding to.
1: It probably that makes more sense.
2: <laughs> yeah. the The story here is uh last year, WizKids came out with this line of minis called Frameworks. It is plastic polystyrene sprue minis, officially licensed for D anD d creatures and characters, and one of the boxes that I came out with was a sprue for kobolds. And so if you spend $50 at your local hobby shop, you can get a box from WizKids that's plastic models of kobolds, and you open up that box, and there are seven almost empty sprues in there from which you can construct seven very small kobolds. And they are properly sized for D&D. Like, the, you know, in the Monster Manual, a kobold is a small-sized creature, and, like... If anything, they're even like a little bit bigger than other WizKids kobolts, but still it's fifty dollars for seven very small models. Yeah. There's some customization, but not not enough for that price. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we we had realistically like a couple of podcasts where all we did was complain about that, and we also <laughs> or our I also made a, a couple of YouTube videos about this uh frameworks line. And the the first video I made was about some of their their hero characters, which are fifteen dollars to make a human warrior or an elf ranger or or whatever the case is. And fifteen dollars is a little bit much, but there's some customization. They're okay. They're, they're all right. Get, get your plastic D and D minis out. And I'm a, a big proponent of trying to get new people into the hobby. So if there's just some some pen and paper D players out there or people playing with chits or or pre-painted minis if there is a way to to coax them into giving mini painting and model building a try that that's big deal big news for me that's a big deal um so i was really excited about this frameworks line it's like okay the, the heroes are all right a little expensive but they're all right maybe you get some some of your D buddies into painting minis and then I got a sample of the kobolds, and it was fifty dollars for seven of the tiniest little models you've ever seen. They're like fifteen and, millimeter, and it's not good. I made I made like a twenty minute video where most of my dialogue was fifty dollars for seven kobolds. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh,
1: <laughs> Single
2: handedly killed that line of models. <laughs> uh my understanding is that the Frameworks line has not been selling very well. That's not my fault. Any honest reviewer would have an issue with $50 for 7 Kobolds. <laughs> but uh, if you look at the YouTube views for the number of people who have even talked about the Framework line, uh-huh. uh, 95% of them are from <laughs> my channel. And, and,
1: uh,
2: <laughs> um, but no, I did, uh, t- to answer your question... I have thought about it, like, if you're a company mm-hmm. and you are trying to sell models to consumers at a price that gets people to buy, but still, you know, giving you a good profit margin so that you, you can make, uh, you know, make a pack of seven goblins in the future. I, I was thinking about this. I think you could do a pack of five kobolds for $25. I think you could find a way to do $5 per kobold. I think it mm-hmm. can be done. I think you need to design the sprues so that there's a little more, you know, customization on them, and yeah, you, you have to really game it out. Um, but that's that's the upper limit. That's that's where I draw the line on how much for cobalt. Now, Casey, okay, so would you like fair. to type the, uh, the sign? So, well,
0: ba- well, this we'll set it out. So, Brent, five buck, five bucks a cobalt.
1: I think we don't yeah.
2: inflation these days. I think I think we have to uh, resign ourselves inflation.
1: To to where a cobalt costs five dollars? <laughs> I, I think I'm on the $5 train for sure um, because there are plenty of models that I am happy to buy even used for more than that um, and bigger models too. Uh, so, so, you know, thinking about it, definitely $5 for a single kobold. And I mean, you can even get ones that uh, people 3d print, you know, you, you buy the the STL for like 3 or buy the printed one for five like those are pretty pretty common um so that feels better, you know, and especially with extras that come with it, like if you got more candles, you got more bottles, you got extra stuff, then mm-hmm. you you're getting value for that, and I mean, it's not like yeah, I don't know that those fifteen mil like kobolds. it's just seven of them i don't wanna I don't wanna bring up old stuff, but that's, that's pretty bad.
2: We thought it was going to be a meme. Like I, I really thought that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that there was going to be meme images all over the internet of uh, yeah, $50 for seven blanks was just going to be something <laughs> yeah. that got repeated uh, throughout this this industry and many more.
0: <laughs> right. And, and, you, and you wonder too, because like were, like were they looking at the Games Workshop pricing model? You know, like was that like, because that's kind of, although seven kobolds, that would probably be 80 bucks for Games Workshop. Uh, well, <laughs> So, so for Games
2: Workshop, Games Workshop does sell boxes of. I think at the time they were still selling boxes of twenty goblins. I think they might have found a way to like reduce the goblin box size to ten goblins in a box. But even by Games Workshop prices, it was still like almost twice the price of what they would sell a small miniature for. Like it was. Yeah. And the the plastic for from frameworks isn't bad, but it it's like they're it's their first release and they're they're clearly still working out some kinks so the the quality is not quite to games workshop level on on those miniatures yet so oh well i they are coming out with a wave 2 of frameworks and and hopefully they write the ship i'm I don't know, i'll I'll take a look for sure
0: yeah the the i've always found the plastic on the wizkid stuff and and like i thought i go through these process of like you know okay originally mold lines games workshop was bad and uh, putting those together then Weird came out with Malifaux. and was basically like Games Workshop hold our beer um while we make even fiddlier models with worse mold lines and bad places. Then I found Battletech and went, Wow, these are the worst mold <laughs> mold lines of all. And then I saw WizKids and went, damn it, somebody beat out Battletech for the mold line wards.
2: Yeah. So so WizKids does have a couple of different kinds of plastic. So they have their, their nullzers marvelous miniatures i think which is the like the pvc flexible plastic that that, you know single cast minis single piece minis that have the the mold lines um frameworks was actually on a sprue like the same kind of plastic that you'd find from from games games or 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 weird um and i don't know the the mold lines weren't weren't terrible like they were sprue like it was a different thing. It was a it was a big step in you know, like a new type of miniatures for a D and D licensed product, and I was I was excited. And now I'm I'm less excited. And it seems like the wind might have kind of gone gone out of the sails. But um, I thought that they have a a new wave of of frameworks D and D minis coming out, and and maybe they get the the magic back and. And somebody else makes a review video about them <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: i hope that that that's uh it's very interesting how did little did you know the impact you may or may not had right <laughs>
2: i i don't think i don't think i had a hu- like i tell myself i didn't have a huge impact uh. on that like i think i th- well, it's hard to say. So so D&D players are willing to spend a lot of money on like quartz dice and uh mahogany uh DM screens and mahogany, you know, dice trays and dice towers and all this stuff. And my my philosophy is like any hobby that you have, some people are going to try to put some of their disposable income into their hobby. And for something like D&D for for pen and paper RPGs, you don't need a lot. You need, a, like, a, a player needs a rule book and a set of dice. That's kind of it. Um, and so it seems like there's uh, this this need for players to have something to spend their money on. And, and a lot of companies have, have capitalized that on that, on the... The mahogany rosewood inlaid dice trays, <laughs> which are just, just use the table. You can roll on the table. It's fine. They um, <laughs> fall off, Brent. Yeah, come on. <laughs> dice towers. I really don't understand. I may never understand dice towers. Oh,
0: thank you, but- thank you. I, <laughs> I I didn't even understand what they were. Like the first time I saw them was the first time I went to ReaperCon a couple years ago, and I'm like, why is this dude selling these things that look like Castle Grayskull? Like, what yeah. the hell are these for? Yeah. And... So,
2: okay, so so I don't want to poke too much fun. Like, we we have hobbies. We spend our disposable time on hobbies. We spend our disposable income on hobbies. And my understanding is, like, why Dice Towers exist is because people who play RPGs want to be spending some disposable income on their hobby. And so that's the best that the, the niche came up with is Dice Towers, and so there you go. But... um. So I was excited, like, okay, good miniatures for D&D players. Let's go. Let's get this this whole untapped market and really give them a reason to try mini painting and, like, double the size of this hobby. Like, yeah, let's go. And we're not there yet, but uh, but the, but the more on-ramps into the mini painting hobby, the better.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. All right. So the next Patreon question... Is Brent? How do um, you like your eggs? Ooh, that's a great question.
2: Um, I'm a I'm a scramble man. I'm a oh. scramble man. So uh, recently, I've been uh, get a couple of pieces of bacon, and you know, get that in the pan, get that going, and while the the bacon's starting to to sizzle up, I'll mix four eggs with a little bit of skim milk. Uh, up, mix that up in a cup. And get the toast going in the background. And then once the bacon's looking pretty good, yeah, pour that into the pan. And uh, in a couple of minutes, you you have some open-faced sandwiches with with eggs and bacon on top. That's been my go-to recently.
0: Nice. Nice. And Casey, I would imagine because you have smaller kids that your world is scrambled eggs.
1: You'd think so, actually. Uh, Both my six-year-old and two-year-old enjoy over hard. So yeah nice. yeah Very um, nice. when i when i do scramble because i like uh, i prefer the scramble but i i do the, the gordon Ramsay scramble the soft scramble so oh nice yeah you mix it in with with butter or cream and and you slowly cook that and just you know scrape it off the bottom of the pan off the heat put it back on um and those are those are some of the best eggs
0: yeah. So you're you're more the French style uh, as opposed to going for the like the country large curd style then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because if you go the large curd like that, um, you know they tend to turn gray and they get funky, they get a little chewy. So, yeah, got to slow. You know, just like like barbecuing, right? The low and slow.
0: <laughs> low and slow, know? nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent and uh the other questions are actually ones that you had you guys had already answered how uh how did you start ebay miniature uh, rescues how did you start goober town um so those are those are already covered so yes all right
2: <laughs> <laughs> well we can get back at casey hasn't answered how large a kobold should be
1: yet so
0: oh that's there we go
1: <laughs> more than 15 millimeters less than 32 <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, what color should a cobalt be?
1: Ooh. Oh yeah, so hey, that's that's a that's a There's tough a,
0: one. That's a hot topic, right?
2: I like the bit. dull orange. I think I think that's a good starting point. The dull orange cobalt, but yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, a dull orange like in the stomach area, you know, and then red on the back, that kind of thing. Yeah, very yeah, tra- yeah. traditional, right? Nice. At least nice. now, traditional. Yeah,
0: I'll throw in there then. What color should an orc be? Cause that's, I I, there are, I've seen every color now at this point and where, where, where do you guys land? Are you green skins? Are you blue, red? You know,
1: I think, uh, cause I, I, I do paint a lot of orcs. I think the green skin, the classic green skin with some variation, uh, is probably my favorite way to go, but a close second is painting the ultra fast red skinned orcs. And I do like red skinned orcs. Uh, they just, they just have a nice fire to them.
0: Right. And I feel like it, when the, the skin is red, there might be some more color, like it, the red plays differently with other colors, sometimes better than green does. And it might just be where I am like visually in my, my work right now. Uh, maybe cause I don't paint enough green. Um, but yeah, I I, I kind of lean with you there. I love that. I love the red skin orcs. You know, what about you, Brent? Where where are you landing?
2: So I am a green skin orc kind of person. Uh, I I like to highlight up using more of a yellow green, not not mint green, but more of a yellow green. Just actually for all of the times I paint green, I like to go towards yellow instead of to, to you know pastel green. Um, but for works i I do like to try to get some some pink in the armpits and and elbows so even even like priming with pink and then putting green over over top sometimes I do I like that um let's see what else here
0: and you use pink to uh shade uh, what uh shade yellow too right
2: oh you saw that video of Yeah, course yeah. <laughs> I've been all the yeah. <laughs> so? yellow.
0: I do some homework. <laughs> uh-huh,
2: uh-huh. Uh. Yeah, the 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 shading yellow with like brownish orange is is a good shade for for yellow. And so if you prime a miniature pink and then like, you know, spray over white and and yellow on top, the the, you know, yellow layering over the white gives you a nice yellow, and then yellow layering over pink gives you orange essentially Mm -hmm. and uh and that ends up looking pretty sweet
0: yeah Yeah. the models in your video look fantastic yeah you definitely enjoyed looking at them oh you're both fantastic painters i mean
2: we're both fine painters thank you thank you though
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey we got a green dot there uh sitting next to you The, the green circle uh from golden golden demon right
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I I happened to get the little green dot this time. Uh, Not expecting that, but hey, I'll take it. (laughs) Heck yeah,
0: heck yeah. Yeah, Dan Dan actually got one too from a model he painted like six years ago and putting up no effort into it. And uh, I, I rode the bottom shelf the entire time. Oh yeah. I was like, woohoo. That's not my new my new uh, painting commission studio is called Bottom Shelf Studios. <laughs> I like that.
2: We, it's uh, good. we listened to your Adepticon episode there. And yeah, I'm sorry. Oh no. It, you know, it, it was
0: such a lesson learned because it was a misplacement of of time. Um I had 70 plus Blood Bowl miniatures to paint for a commission and uh-huh other commission stuff, then the stuff I wanted to do for demon, then other projects I wanted to work in and I got overwhelmed. And so I misspent my time, um, did a quick side pro finished a side project for the resin beast, which I wound up, I I don't even know how many, I don't even think I spent 20 hours on that Mm -hmm. and that placed in the, you know, an honorable mention. And then I spent well over a hundred hours on the demon entry, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it was, I probably had some sour grapes still at that point when we recorded that episode, Um, (laughs) but it was certainly a a, a valuable lessons. Um, You know, I, I, I've learned in probably the last three months, I've learned more about myself as a painter than I have in the past. And so I'm, I'm just going to ride that. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's an, it's a, it's, it was an interesting experience for sure. (laughs)
2: Well, yeah, Resin that's Beast, the... Resin Beast looked fun. I mean, so uh, for those of you who didn't go to Adepticon, Resin Beast had a a much smaller bank of display cases. There were there were far fewer miniatures from a, from a couple of different companies, but uh the the restrictions on on kind of what you were supposed to be aiming for in in that competition were, were fewer restrictions, and so you could do a, a wider range of of paint styles you didn't have to worry about lore or anything like that it's just there's the entire model range for I wanna say Parabellum and Creature Caster and there was one more right Bisterium. yep and so take your favorite model from any of those three companies paint it up however you want and and put it in the case and see what happens and and the the, the top placers were getting cash Prizes, so it seemed like a seemed like a good competition.
0: I was eighth place and I got a cash prize.
2: Really? Yes. Nice. Just, uh, did, you, did you get like guacamole on that burrito that day, or
0: did R- you... right? Exactly. Well, no, it was. It was. I was actually surprised. It was a bit more than um, offline. I'll tell you, but you know. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: yeah. I mean, no, so, um, I'm. I'm actually excited to see if that competition grows in in the next couple of years uh i'm I'm thinking of painting yeah we were both talking about uh, it yeah yeah i i'd put something in the case just to make them have to get a larger case the the year afterwards you know just to to fill it up and and try to keep pushing that forward Um, and um
0: i interviewed taylor um the other day from creature caster and mm -hmm. we talked a lot about that and it's they're they're actually going to be bringing in some more sponsors and so there'll be more more miniature lines that'll be available to it as well, and it'll probably increase the cash prices mm-hmm. as well, which is kind of ridiculous um, and amazing yeah. at the same time, you know.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a mixed bag in in my opinion. It's like the talking about sour grapes, like if there's actual actual money on the line, like I I can feel it. A different level of feel bads when there are, you know car payments involved
0: um uh, absolutely absolutely
2: but at the same time get some get 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 more really good painters to to submit works to that case um competition is a good thing having two really premium painting co- competitions at the event that's awesome
0: yeah and i heard the marvel one was pretty big this year too they were pretty excited with their turnout
1: they had a they had a couple cases we went through Yeah. yeah. They, they weren't bursting with
2: entries. There was, there was room in those cases. And, um, I heard, I probably fact check this, but I heard that like one painter won most of the, most of the competitions just, just basically by chance. Um, I, I think because they were doing a pretty good job of keeping the judges blind to who submitted things. And so be because of that, there happened to be, you know, one really good painter putting entries in and it happened to be that they won you know most of the categories whereas i think that there could have been a little more uh maybe just a little more politics in the in the picking of of winners could have like diversified and 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 got a couple other people in the in the top spot but
0: right well i mean they could just put in a rule that says you can only win one category you know and And, that's and yeah yeah
2: there's no perfect answer on any of this like there are good there are good and bad reasons for having cash prizes good and bad reasons to have judges completely blind to to who's putting entries in um, and and all that stuff but uh it was was, i'm glad there were at least three uh distinct competitions at adepticon Mm -hmm. this year hopefully two of those continue to grow yeah And, and maybe we'll see more too
0: yeah, I know. I already, I, I already started my resin beasts for next year because I wanted to do a diorama. Uh, but the, also the bonuses too. Not only did just for entering, they gave you like a goodie bag that had models and paints and paints from a couple of different companies and stuff. So I was like, damn! I and I and as an honorable mention, I'm getting a cash prize. What the hell? Heck yeah! You know, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Golden what? <laughs> <Right>. Demon <laughs> who? You know. <laughs> And you can't even eat, they're not even made of chocolate, right? So you can't even, can't even eat, eat, eat them when you're done. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, I, you know, I actually, um, I'm a huge Colossus fan from the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking for somebody selling one, just a Colossus uh, and not, the, not a sister in the box set. Because I could justify paying $15 for Colossus, the model I want but not $30 for half. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a, to me that was a wasted $15. The way so I,
2: Marvel sells two, two miniatures in each box. Is that what you're talking about?
0: Oh yeah. 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 And then, so I found somebody on, on eBay who had, who was uh, selling them and uh, selling them separately. So, and I was like, all right, I'm going to paint a Colossus from that. Cause that's that and Spider-Man are my two fave superheroes. Super so, well, see what I can do with non-metallic steel and laugh at myself.
2: I think I've had that <laughs> dilemma too. So I'm, I'm not a huge Marvel person, but like I remember watching the X-Men cartoons when I was a kid and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, there's been a few times where I've been looking at the rack of, of Marvel minis and being like, all right, if there's two of the the right characters that I kind of recognize in the same box, I'll get it. Um, and Nope, it just it was always like, yeah, I kind of like that guy. Like, ah, who's that? Who's his pal in the box? Like, I, don't, I don't even want that
1: in my pile of shame. Like, yeah,
0: I totally yes. Okay, good. Somebody else who thinks the same way I yeah. do. That's awesome. Yeah, it I, is a can...
1: weird way to sell models, like especially character driven pieces. It's like, well, you want to yeah. buy the characters that you like, and maybe they're just like, well, pair them with with that one because that way we get rid of some of those. I don't know. It's a strange way to sell.
0: Yeah. And some of the the, the the groupings don't make any sense either. You're like, well, okay, I can see Colossus and his sister. I got that. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are patterns of them that you see, but some of them were just kind of random who were in the box. And you're like, Ugh. you know, if they, at least if they could have put like two super popular, you know, like I could see like Spider-Man and Venom in the same box. That makes sense, right. you know. Marine and
2: Saber-tooth or, or whatever, yeah exactly
0: uh, exactly exactly um okay so this i want to do a little bit differently now i'm gonna i want to skip ahead a little bit because um i love doing the lightning round uh which mm-hmm. is just kind of silly questions that i ask um and basically i'll ask them and you uh what the first thing that pops to your head you, you, you answer okay Uh-oh. they're oh, nothing serious it's Uh-oh. none, no, nothing <laughs> serious uh um, you will not be scandalized for the rest of your life, and so. Um, <laughs> how
1: much do you make before? T- yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that the 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 diciest one is how much is for how much for a kobold Was that you know that's the diciest question we'll get here.
2: <laughs> awesome, <laughs> we just right. set the price of kobolds to five apiece for all eternity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> all right, so welcome to the lightning round. The first question is. Casey, most annoying part of the hobby.
1: Oh, oh. (laughs) Okay. Um, I suppose, uh, like, I do a lot of 3D printing, so I guess the mess of 3D printing is pretty annoying. Uh, Brent. I dislike it.
2: Uh, Trying to revitalize paint on your wet palette that's been there for a
0: couple hours. (laughs) Excellent. Favorite color to paint. Brent.
2: I like green. I do like green. Hold on. I don't know if that's my final answer yet. Give me a second. (laughs) You know what? I'm thinking I'll stick with green. Green's
1: okay. Green's a good color.
0: All right, Casey. Mm,
1: I was going to say green, but now I can't. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say red.
0: Nice. nice. Casey. When's the last time you drank your paint water?
1: Uh, Actually, it's been a while. Been a good long while because, uh, yeah, I usually have the wet palette and then the, the, the cup is far away. And I usually have like a a nice big mug that has a straw in it. Nice. So I don't get them mixed up too often. I mean, I've come close, you know, and I've definitely done it, but it's been <laughs> probably at least a year, I'd say.
0: Okay. Brent?
2: Yeah. I've never drank my paint water. I've come very close to cleaning my brush and my drink, but I've never drank my uh, paint water.
0: I'll definitely clean my
1: brush and my drink. Yeah
0: i'm glad i have not i'm not asked the question because it was three hours ago Um, (laughs) i get going i'm listening to music or something i'm not even paying attention i've even drank it and gone did i drink my paint water i'm pretty sure i did i'm not sure if i did or not damn Um,
1: (laughs) wasn't bad
0: who knew right (laughs) all right um so brent we'll start with you most dreaded color to paint
1: White. Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go with black okay it's fair i
0: guess technically those are incorrect answers because are white and black not really colored (laughs) right white white is all color right right no that's why i'm just (laughs) (laughs) being i know (laughs) let's just randomly insert like being a dickhead um
2: (laughs) no there's actually i think metals most metallics are are on that list too
0: oh guy yeah amen brother i i love
1: painting like true metallic metals that's that's one of my favorite things yeah really yeah
0: are you a masochist
1: some days I, it's some I days don't it's think working so. out and some days it's not I don't know. It,
0: it depends on on how
1: you go about it i think um you know if you're using an airbrush for example um mm-hmm. you can do some really cool modulation with the metallics and and it and with true metallics it doesn't have to be anything specific you can get in and paint like non-metallic metal on true metallics and, and get a really cool look but it really depends. Um, like mm-hmm. large exoskeletons are super easy with an airbrush okay. to make look really cool in real
0: metals. Nice. Nice. I had a, mini, a space marine minotaurs that I was doing. And that those are the only ones that I've ever liked the metal I painted. And I, it was all dry brushing. And I, I liked the, mm-hmm. the worn look that the dry brushing did. But other than that, every other thing I put metal on, I'm like, God damn, that sucks. <laughs> but, yeah, like hey. straight,
1: straight metals on something with like a black wash it's like that looks fine but you know i think i think with a few tricks like you can really push it and and it's not as hard as as you know it seems after you've done it
0: nice all right so brent that we'll, we'll end with this final question stranded on a desert island only one paintbrush is allowed what type of paintbrush what size <laughs>
1: Um, Walmart size two <laughs>
2: <laughs> pretty much yeah there's a there's a there's a particular multi-pack of synthetic brushes from Walmart that I I really like I I do it's I think plaid is the manufacturer I think it might be folk art or something yeah, like Folkart that yeah folk art and plaid I think are the same yeah, yeah and and the there's there's always like a couple multi packs, and the one that's like a dollar or two dollars ninety nine cents are not the ones you want. But like three ninety nine, like once once you avoid the very lowest tier of Walmart synthetic brushes, <laughs> like you go you go a, a tier up, and they're they're fine. Yeah. Um, now there's there's a couple of brands of synthetic brushes that I don't mind and. I sometimes I've used natural hair brushes and they're OK, but um, then mostly they just stress me out because they're more expensive. I'd rather
0: have
1: <laughs> a, a 50 cent paintbrush. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Casey, what about you?
1: Uh, my my go to for a while now has been the uh, Windsor Newton Series 7 size one. Yeah. When I when I switch over to that brush, it legitimately changed the way that I approach painting. And I haven't looked back since. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a different feel, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. I usually don't, I'm, I, I'm, I started as a Raphael guy and I kind of evolved in like looking at the price and availability and such and switched to kind of switched mostly to Rosemary and Co. Cause they're a lot mm-hmm. cheaper. Um, but I finally found a synthetic sable that actually functions like a sable brush, the heritage by Princeton and they're not terribly expensive. They're a little more expensive. You know, they're like four or five dollars a brush. But I've been using this same set for six months now with like I have four four of them. Very little curl. Mm-hmm. There, I was like, wow, that's shocking. You know, so it's yeah, it's you, you gotta find your tools, right? You know, the ones that work for you. It doesn't matter if you paint with a toothpick. If it works, it works, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, so we're almost to to the hour mark, so um one brief thing that i wanted i it's it I, it's kind of a pandora's box of things, but so I am looking at getting a three d printer and i'm one hand excited about the prospect because like one of the classes i'm teaching at reapercon is doing tiny text on things and so i was like oh i could print out a bunch of little books and I there's my thing you know lickety split i got my class stuff don't even have to yep, worry yep, about it yep yep but then the thought process of having to remove supports and cure and because hmm. my number one annoying hobby thing is mold lines i just it's mm-hmm they've been a bane in my competitions cause I've missed them. And yeah, you know, everybody has that story, but, um, and so risk versus reward. I know you guys recently just did one on the podcast about it war gaming, 3d printing where we are now and like how far we've come. What, what are your, if, if somebody is looking to get into 3d printing, what would you say to them?
1: Hmm. I mean, I I do 3D print pretty often. Um, you know, I, I like to print out bits, things that fix other things, right? Uh, from that perspective, I think it's an invaluable tool because I can print an arm. I can print a head um, and it doesn't take very long. And, you know, because they're so small, the supports are small that come off really easily. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, divots or pitting from those supports. So... I've always found it to be incredibly useful. Um, printing full models is super hit and miss for me. Um, because like, if you don't like mold lines, you know, there's still going to be pits from supports on, on your models. And I know that, you know, you can dial it in so precise that, that there's almost nothing and you can kind of sand them down. But that, you know, there's always going to be a cleanup process. So mold lines or 3D print, just kind of, you know, six dozen, you know one half the other whatever um it's a fun part of the hobby though and it it does lead to some interesting things because you like you have a a larger range of things to choose from to either augment your models or just models in general that you can have to use in your games or to paint um so like even for the price of a, a a normal printer um I think, you know, even on Amazon, you can get some of these for $150 or something. That's not a huge, huge, huge investment, you know, compared to some of the things that we buy in this hobby. Um, And from that perspective, I think it's worth doing, uh, even if you're a little bit interested, because you're going to end up with some cool stuff. You know, there's going to be some trial and error, but you get there eventually. And and I think it's, it's worth doing.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Worth doing. Uh, at some point, you gotta give it a try for sure, and and I think it actually would be very helpful for making a whole lot of books to to use in a in a painting yeah. class. I think that'd be a great use for it. Um, so what what we talked about, Casey and I recently on our podcast, Paint Bravely, the podcast, was that I mean, kind of most of these printers are made in like the same couple of factories, I think in China. So <laughs> yeah. the difference the same difference block. between a lot of these companies is pretty small. And there's, there's a little bit of a difference between generations, but now if you're getting a, a pretty high resolution on the screen and they're using mono light, which is like more, the screen is more tuned towards the blue side of the spectrum and, instead of just straight like cell phone light. Um, right. That, yeah, like printers are pretty dang good and especially the first couple of times you use them, like the first time you you realize like, wow, this model was goo three hours ago. Mm-hmm. And now this is a a real detailed model. And you know, one of the advantages, there's no mold lines. A lot of times there's also no assembly. So for models, you need to to cast those in a two-part mold. And there are are limits to the shapes that you can use. And, you know, uh for for space marines, there's a reason why bolt guns have a solid barrel and you need to go and drill out all the barrels like you can't the only way to make a hole in the barrel is if you you know cast the gun as two separate parts Mm -hmm. and so there there are so many shapes that you cannot do with two-part casting unless you cast like five pieces and glue them together but on a 3d printer I mean it's ridiculous. Like I've I've been printing out uh dinosaur riders recently, and you can print dinosaur cavalry of, you know, somebody holding two weapons, riding a dinosaur, the dinosaur has all its claws out and everything, and that's a single piece that prints as one solid model. Whereas if you're if you're going and, and making dinosaur cavalry or any cavalry from from a model box, that's that's 10 bits that you're gluing together at least. Uh, yeah. Uh, saying
0: a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So there's, there's definitely, there's some really cool stuff about 3d printing. I think it's an awesome tool to have um, understanding that you need to have, uh, you know, a room in your house or your garage or whatever, where you're not going to be constantly breathing the fumes. You uh, understand that the table you put it on is going to get sticky and <laughs> you, you need to be okay with that. Uh-huh. Um, and again with the they're all coming out of the same Chinese factory. The my experience has been that printers work really well out of the box and then all of a sudden something goes wrong. And there's a moment of panic and there's there's searching of Reddit forms and normally you can figure out what it is and like unscrew a piece and plug a wire back in or, or whatever. But if you did spend one hundred and fifty dollars or five hundred dollars on a printer, and all of a sudden it's not working, and it keep you keep failing prints, that's that's a bad feeling. Um, and so there's 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 an element of understanding how to maintain and troubleshoot the instrument, which you you got to be prepared for. But I think I think it's worthwhile just being like, oh wow, here's a mini that like. I had an idea for a type of mini. I searched the internet. It turns out somebody already sculpted it. I was able to buy it and download the file from my mini factory for $4. Mm -hmm. And in a couple hours, I'm going to have it as a physical object. And not only am I going to have it as a physical object, if I want, I can scale it up 300% and have it as like a figurine as like a Hummel, as, you know, um, there's so much stuff you can do with it. And, uh, To kind of bring things back around i am also teaching a mini painting class at at sooner con in about six weeks and twin goddess miniatures adam at twin goddess miniatures sculpted me a cyberpunk kobold to be the object (laughs) of that course and awesome uh, a couple of days ago i printed off 32 cyberpunk kobolds and um, we got the we got the supports set up so that it's pretty easy to clean up. And um, there's I don't like the bottom of the bases. The bottom of the bases are a little bit gnarly. That, but that's the <laughs> that's the mold lines of that mini essentially. Right. Um, but hey, it, we got a, a lot of minis. Exactly the mini we want for very reasonable price. And um, yeah, no, it's a good tool. It's a good tool. There's Perfect. cons, but it's a good tool.
0: Yeah. Email me. Can you uh, email me the links for SoonerCon too? Cause we'll put that in the show notes. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, Cause you just, you just never know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, the running joke is all 11 of our listeners. Maybe one of them lives in Oklahoma. Yeah. There <laughs> <you go. laughs> all 11 of them. Well, awesome. Thank you guys. Um, that's good. That's and, and I, I, um, used to ask people what miniature they wanted to see that hadn't been made yet and i always gave quicksilver from silverhawks the 80s tv show um as an answer and then sam went, dude do a search it's out there and i'm literally interviewing sam and i'm like sam lens and i'm like you got to be shitting me. And like, literally it was right there. Somebody had done it I, before yeah. the interview was over. I had already bought the <laughs> STL and sent it to somebody and like paid somebody to print it for me. I yeah. was <laughs> like, that's happening. You know, So I'm actually, I don't know if you guys see, I'm wearing a Thundercats shirt right now. <laughs>
2: there you go. There you
0: go. 80s TV child, you know, um, yeah, li- definitely Lion O is not, ne- Is somewhere in my hit list, but I haven't seen them. It, I, I need to find a different model because Steven Garcia's is so good that <laughs> I don't know if you've seen his, uh, his Lionel, but it's like, wow. Every time if I print that model and try to paint it, all I'm going to see in my head is how it's not as good as his. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and not yeah. in a bad way, not, not in like a self-deprecation way, just that that was exceptionally painted. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's it, it. it would be me like, I don't know, painting, that Blaine, uh, the guy from World of Warcraft that, that Eric Swenson won the Savino with. Like, how could you not, like, in your head go, yeah, that, that guy did that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to yeah. Leave that alone. Uh, to from Yeah. Wait, you are con- there, wait, are there good World of Warcraft minis? Is that... I believe there are some out there. I know that the two that Eric did, like for one, for uh, Montsenyino a couple of years ago, and the one that he won um, best in show with for Admonti were uh, by Joaquin Polosis. Okay, they're one offs, and yeah. supposedly I guess he's got more one offs from Joaquin in his in right. his case waiting to be painted too. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, those the, those two. There was an an, an orc. Or um, yeah, I guess it was an orc, um which is kind of the before that. Not a lot of people were doing the cast shadows in their paintings, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then the next year was when he did the Blaine Red, Redfoot. I think it is.
1: I'm maybe. sure of have seen blood it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, the, oh yeah, 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 it was it was the the blood hoof
0: blood hoofs there uh, you go right, Blame yeah. blood hoof. right thank you yes i don't know world of warcraft my uh, my part of my nerd card has been taken away today um <laughs> but yeah uh but so i used to that i used to ask a question now i go uh, with just the um so our, the motto of the podcast is uh better braver happier painters the original motto was we suck at painting so you don't have to but we tried to be positive um and so, uh, I kind of, I asked the guests, um, what advice can you give our listeners as they continue their journeys?
2: Uh, paint models, yeah. Paint models. You want to paint and have fun with it. That's, that,
1: that's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. I mean, uh, I'll default to our, uh, uh, our podcast yeah. a little bit, but, uh, uh-huh. Painting bravely is is definitely something that we we can get behind you know like if if it sounds like it's going to be cool, you don't know how to do it, just do it anyways, go for it, just be brave about it and see what happens because the worst comes to worst. you can strip the model down or you can just paint another one
0: or sell it to you on eBay that's, that's
1: really what I, what I'm after you know, <laughs> just really pushing the brave angle so that everybody just sells on eBay. I can right. Clean
0: yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Un- uh, unlimited content. Yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Give me more of those meme Marines. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, normally I ask people to tell where where to find you, but I know everybody already knows that, and I'm going to put it in the show notes: Goobertown Hobbies on YouTube, eBay Miniature Rescues on YouTube, Painting Bravely on all the podcasts catchers out there um what about your uh do, do you guys have separate instagrams that you would like people to follow uh yeah the same names i'm pretty sure okay yeah perfect. same names yeah, yeah, yeah same yeah. names perfect now i know that because I, I just we just followed each other right before the podcast brent Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> excellent gentlemen what an honor it's been to have you guys on in a lovely conversation thank you so much Heck thank yeah. you happy to be here this was great yeah Dan and I would like to thank Brent from Goobertown Hobbies and Casey from eBay Miniature Rescues for joining us. Together, they form the podcast called Painting Bravely, and you can check that out wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check them out on their respective YouTube channels, as well as on Instagram. We'll have links in the show notes. Like, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcasts, and if you could leave us a good review, that would really help the show out. Uh, Additionally, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry, as well as on twitter at dry listening we'd love to hear from you you can email us at listening to paint dry at let us know what you're working on how things are going and what cons you're going to this year take a moment and give a shout out to our current patreons lee andrew michael carolyn cannibal noises raggy paints and christopher Thank you guys so much for helping make all this possible, especially the painting awards. Those things are are coming down the pipe and we're really excited. It's with the sculptor right now. I can't wait uh, to show you what the sculptor comes up with based on the sketch that I kind of threw out there on the Patreon and the Discord. Thank you again for the support. And if you'd like to join them, please check us out on Patreon. You can also check the link tree uh, link in the show notes for all of our relevant links. With that being said, It doesn't matter how much a kobold costs. You can always become a better, braver, happier painter. Until next time. Listening to Paint Drive with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share-alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.